I am I was very ashamed of my life story for a long time. I I I, I didn't want to go out and tell anybody shit about me. So that's why I had two people. I you know I created one David Goggins and one Goggins. Right. And um, I didn't want people to know that I had all these issues. But after a while, people start to give you these different taglines. You know, like you're superhuman, you're amazing. They start. I'm like, just don't know anything about me, man. I'm this insecure kid. I start realizing there's a lot of people out here who are going through a lot of problems that I once tapped into. You know, I had a whole bunch of issues growing up, and you know, I I felt compelled to this. You know what? Mm-hmm. You gotta start sharing this stuff, man, because people see where you're at today. They see where you're at today. They they see the man you are today. This this hard rock, hard human being. Show these people where you come from. Right. <clears throat> Show these people as possible. Like I see where I'm at today, but I know where I come from, and it's kind of hard to almost separate that. I'm I'm almost not in a way I'm kissing my own ass, but I'm amazed at what a human being can actually do. So when I start talking to myself in the third person, it's strictly because I know that I literally made this human being out of uh out of just like a whole bunch of scraps mm-hmm. out of, and, and i wasn't you know i wasn't a, a mechanic i wasn't a carpenter so i didn't know how to do any of this shit mm-hmm. you know i wasn't trained in how to build a human being from nothing you know like my mom didn't train me my dad didn't train me life didn't train me well life did life train did, me yeah life did train me correction and i started putting this scrap metal together i'm like i wonder what the and, you know the first year i tried to do is off and after a while, I started learning more and more and more through pain and suffering. I started learning, learning, just learning so much about stuff. Before I knew it, man, I built this beautiful car. And I'm like, how the f- that? And I knew how, and I, I know how to do it because I have all the tools. Through all the failure, I went through trying to build this person who's Goggins. Mm-hmm. The one thing that made me who I am today is being vulnerable. It's breaking myself down to the absolute rock bottom and being able to tell people who I am. And that's how I fixed it. Literally, you know, look somebody in the eyes. You know what, man? I have a whole bunch of character problems, character flaws. I've lied about this. I've cheated here. I'm, I'm insecure here. This isn't the real me. I lied to you about that. I wanted your acceptance in life. All those things happen. But the thing about it is that we get judged so quickly by who we are. We don't know. We don't go to the to where it happened. You know, life created this person, me. Life, life created me to be this person that I was back in the day. And I had to realize, man, that's okay, man. It's not my fault. Now I gotta go back and fix this shit though. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this isn't your fault why you do some things you do, why you feel the way you feel. But no one's coming back to save your ass. You have to go back to where the shit started, wherever that place is for everybody, and have the courage to go back there and start fixing what broke you. And what's funny about it is that as you're trying to fix yourself, and dig yourself out of this deep hole that life, society, and you helped, you helped also. Those people who you saw down there in that hole who were there with you, who are your friends and people who you counted on, because you meet the people in the same situation that you're in in life. Those people become your friends. And the second you try to get out of that situation and become better, those people are in that, in that grave, in that dungeon, just yanking at your heels, man, saying, yeah. Yeah. oh no, get, oh, <laughs> come on back. Fucker. Yeah. You ain't gonna make me feel like shit right. by you getting out of this hole. Who the f- think you are? So I get that all the time now. People would constantly remind me of who I used to be back in the day. And they always come out of the woodworks, man. You know what? When you come from a small, small town, and you come from a place that a lot of people don't want to come out of it and get out of it, 
and all you want to do is become somebody, when you have small town mentality is a real mentality. You've got to be able to get out and let your mind see open-mindedness. Because a small town, what it does to you is it closes your mind. Completely closes your mind. Not everybody. This isn't everybody. A lot of people. You have to be able to go out there and create open-mindedness. You need space. You need space to see the world. Like a lot of racism, a lot of, a lot of ignorance in the world. It comes from people not being out and seeing other things, seeing other people, seeing all kinds of shit. That's why we judge so harshly. Because our minds are so closed to the reality of, of life. I went back to Brazil a couple of times and I have nothing wrong with Brazil. Because once again, you can't, another thing about growth is you can't hold on to hate. Mm -hmm. You can't hold on to hate and see when, once you take a different step. So I had to take a step out of my life because like, like once you're in that hell, that's all you see is what's in front of you. When I stepped out of it, I saw Brazil very differently. There were a lot of great people in Brazil. Some of the best people I knew were from Brazil. But when you're in hell, all you see is the little patch in front of you of the kids that are calling of the people that spray paint and kill you on your car. Mm -hmm. People put that shit in your locker. People put that shit on your, on your notebook in Spanish class. That's all you see. You didn't see that. My God, a lot of people like me here. So once you take a step back and see the reality of the true ignorance that you're dealing with from a small group of people, that's when you get growth. Because, you know, I went through a phrase in the book I talked about, man, I was all about, you know, I was all about black and only black when I was a junior in high school because I was so beat down. Mm -hmm. I was the most ignorant I've ever been in fucking life when I went there. I totally took everything, all the hurt, all the pain, and just put it in one filter. I got to find people who look just like me and act just like me to find acceptance. My, I was a fat guy trying to be a Navy SEAL now, and my life had come to this crossroads where I'm like, man, you have to go right. And no one was going right. Everybody was going left. I'm like, you have to go right. And to know the pain and suffering I was about to endure by going right, the amount of accountability and failure I was going to witness and suffer by myself alone on this journey, it was daunting. So when I finally got to the ASVAB test, and I was taking it for my very last time to get into the SEAL teams, or to try to even try out, mm -hmm. they weren't supposed to tell me my score. And I went back out to my car after I took it, I was on some computer test, and I, I didn't know how to use computer. I was wigging out about that shit, because the first time I took it, it was like some like notebook, you know, you open a Scantron sheet and you bubble it in with the number two pencil and shit, you turn it in. I saw a computer and I was like, oh, what the shit, what is, oh my God. <laughs> like, it's on a computer, so I wigged out there, and, and I had to get a 50 on mechanical comprehension. This is my second time, so I took it three times for the Air Force and twice for the okay. Navy. So this is my second time for the Navy. And they're like, hey, this is it, man. You know, you're, you're done, you're too old, you, you have a, a limited amount of time to lose 106 pounds, and you have to take his ASVAB again. There's so many things that's crushed down my head. And so when I took the test, I knew I had a good enough score to get in the Navy, but to be a SEAL, I had to score high on mechanical comprehension, a 50. So the first time I got a 44 on mechanical comprehension. So I'm sitting there and I take the test and I hit send. Sent meant it's out in outer space somewhere, but I knew it popped up at the administrator's desk. And he's not supposed to tell me shit. He tells you sit down, take your test, and you leave. I walked out, got in my car, or I was walking around the car, whatever, and I was like, I got to go in and find out, man. So I went in, I literally sat there. Everybody's taking their test and I'm begging this guy. And he's telling me, I can't tell you shit. 
It's against government. It's, it's against rules, everything. Right. He opened it up. He goes, okay, man. He said, you got a 65. I said, no, man. I didn't know I got a mechanical comprehension. And he scrolled the page down. And it was exactly a 50. And I literally, like, what came through my body, because it's easy to talk about now to you, but no one knew I, the time and energy I put into getting that 50. Right. It, was, it was pretty amazing. At this time, I was still 200 and some odd pounds. I still had more weight uh -huh. to lose. So think about this. I put everything on David Goggins to be a Navy SEAL. It's like going to the crap table with, with your last $1,000. And you say, you know what? I'm going to put everything on this on black and hopefully I win if not I'm broke I put my whole life a guy that was scared of the water a guy that could taught himself how to read and write on being one of the hard fuckers on the planet think about that shit a guy that came from nothing I put my whole life and I'm gonna go out here and put everything on goggles to be a Navy SEAL not to go fucking, you know Boy Scout or some shit a Navy SEAL and I and I, I I look at that and I did all this shit just to get the opportunity to succeed. That's what that's what people don't understand, man. If people see the, the the end result, I remember that guy saying, "My God, man, I can't believe what's done. I put everything, ruin relationships, ruin this, ruin that. Put everything on. In fact, I have to become someone in this world, or I'm no good for anybody." It comes from a disgusting place of not being fulfilled in your life, of afraid of dying, having never accomplished anything. That's a fear that some people run away from, that people don't want to face. When you have a real fear of dying and being just another person, that I live to pay the bills, I made $1,000 a month. This is my life, I spray for cockroaches, man. If, if that makes you feel good, that's great. It didn't make me feel good. I wanted to the first time in my life after 26 years, it was 24, 25, wherever I was, I wanted to feel good about myself. And that was, that was the ticket for me, is I have the ability to see the end before the beginning even begins. And what that means is I know that to get to the very end, I can see it right now. So before I went to Bud's and I was losing all the weight and shit, I saw myself walking across the fucking stage at 191 pounds that's what I had to get to, to, to get into the door I saw myself six months a year later whatever's gonna take me to do it I saw myself walking across that stage getting that certificate of graduation from buds and I was able to be there at 300 pounds and that feeling that I was nowhere near that feeling I was able to put myself there a million times every day and that feeling of like my god that is gonna feel amazing that's what made me suffer that's what allowed the pain to be real and say this is worth it I want to feel for this fucking next 18 months it took me 18 months to finally become a Navy student, to finally you know just get through butts 18 months it's six months it took me 18 that's what woke me up every fucking morning was I'm gonna put myself through this much pain and suffering for a few seconds that's all it is a few seconds of joy and it's so worth it, man. I said, people don't get it. So I'm able to put myself at the finish line, even though I have no finish line, but at the finish line of an event before I even start to say, how are you going to feel at the end of this? I was able to look at my childhood and how I grew up as the ultimate training ground.
for my life. Someone, there has to be some people in this, on this planet Earth who have my mentality. Mm. As gross as it is to some people, and as far off as it is and not understood, there has to be some people like me on this planet Earth. Has to be some warriors out there that are able to take this mindset and do something with it. So that right there, once you are able to look at your life and realize that all these bad things are actually the ultimate training ground for what you're going to you know, encounter in life, you start looking at your past very differently. It's amazing yeah. how powerful anger is. Mm. It is a very, very powerful thing, but it can't overcome everything. I was angry once I was able to uncover the rug yeah. and look at all these different shells that I collected over the years and say, wow, that, yep, and that one even, even worse <laughs> than that one. And shit, that one was real bad. And Because what happens is when you start to collect all these shells and these shells are bad things of your life, and you put them in your nice treasure chest and you hide them, you know, because it reminds you of where you're at, but you don't want to visit them all the time. When I started visiting these shells, I was like, my God, man, this was a, it was a tough, tough way to go. But now looking back on it, man, I don't have any more shells. Mm. So now you have to learn to, now what's your passion? Yeah. So now my passion is still trying to find out what is, what is left, what is more, mm. is it, can I be driven without the anger? Mm. And I can be. I've only dissected 44 years of my life. While I'm still living, I'm still in my live autopsy. So, you know, right now, until I'm dead, I'm still examining human potential. How far can the mind go? How far can we go as human beings? So that's, you know, I'm the, I call myself the Stephen Hawking of, of the mind. Mm. You know, he was obsessed with everything he, he ever dove into. You know, the guy couldn't walk or anything, you know, so he was like, the mind, that's one thing he didn't want to lose. Mm. And I became obsessed with it because it's the one thing that controlled me. So I became obsessed with this, what is this thing up here that just has me on a, on a tightrope and just walks me into all these horrible decisions I make and makes me feel so pathetic and weak and insignificant and dumb and stupid and, and everything. Mm. I got to get control of this thing. Mm. But it's amazing that once you get control of that thing, how far you can go. I'm big into visualization and also self-talk, mm. but also like, where do I want to be in life? Where do I see myself? And then I start making these plans and how I'm going to get there. And I don't deviate from that plan. Mm. So that's kind of how I do them now. I mean, it's a lot more to it than that, but it's a lot of quiet time. I shut out a lot of noise. I only have people in my life that, that need to be there. If you don't need to be in my life, I'm not about acquiring more friends. I'm not about noise. I'm about, okay, are you trying to go somewhere? You can, you can jump on board. Mm. If not, I don't want to hear all your problems. You have a solution for your problem. That's what I'm all about right now. Mm. So I'm not about whining, bitching, complaining. I'm about, okay, we need to go this way. Mm. So that's mm. the biggest thing. What makes it so crazy to me is so many people have that ability. Mm. They haven't taken the time to see what they want in life. Therefore, he's crazy. I'm crazy. They put a title on us. And you know what a title does to people? A title is the greatest separator of all time. It allows you to go away in your comfort zone saying, he's just nuts. Mm. He's special, special person. That gives you a get out of jail free card. You can go ahead and be normal now because we're special people. Mm. No, we found what we want in life. 
That's all it is. That's all it is. And very few people, they're all confused. Life's confusing because they make it confusing. It's different if, if I was born with a silver spoon and everything was given to me and life came easy. But knowing where I came from and where I'm at now, just because I was able to crack open a few more doors, that's what's disappointing for me, for other people. You know, so it's not that I want to live there. I know I can go there. Mm. And once again, I know other people can go there. So I guess that's the thing with me is, that, is I know I have the ability now to go to a place that's very, very hyper-focused that I can accomplish some pretty amazing feats. Not because I'm amazing, because I allowed my mind to be open-minded for the possibilities of what can I achieve. Mm. So for me, failure is... Um, it's something that you should be afraid of. It should be afraid of, but that's why you should go out there and challenge yourself to fail. Because if you're not failing at something, that means you've set your goals to pass, to succeed at everything you do, which means you're not setting your goals high enough. So for me, okay, I'm gonna go out and break the Ginsburg rules record for pull-ups. Lofty goal, which is why I failed it twice before I finally got it. Mm. I knew going into everything I've ever done in my life, Navy SEAL training, three times before I got it. Mm. Everything I've ever done in my life took me three times before I got it. I knew that there was a huge possibility of failure. Mm. But what I gained from failure is this. When you see a movie and you watch a movie about a person who keeps failing, and at the end, they succeed. How do you feel after you watch that movie? I liked it. Amazing, yeah. right? Yeah. I become the movie. Mm. I want to feel how I feel watching someone else in the movie. Mm. When I watched Rocky get his ass kicked and I watched all these different things of failure, I was able to put myself there and say, God, man, how much do you feel now that you finally got there? That's what failure has done to me. I've watched so many things and watched someone succeed at the end of it. It's like, God, I want to feel like that. Mm. But failure causes that one feeling mm. without that failure involved you don't have that feeling mm. if you just pass and you succeed and you're great that feeling yeah okay i'm good mm. what takes you years months years to accomplish because you just can't get over the hump but you continue going back to the drawing board you're looking for those few seconds after you finally figure out the equation Whatever the equation may be to get you to finally pass, to succeed, mm. I live for that feeling. Mm. But I can't get that feeling without going through, I feel this equation, I feel this one, I feel this one, I feel this one. Oh, I'm figuring it out. Mm. So you start to feel it before you even pass, before you even get to, to, to the success part. And then once you succeed, the feeling is unbelievable. Mm. And you take that feeling of success through failure and you put it in your cookie jar and you say I'll, I'll come back and get you again I'm gonna need you again it becomes so addictive that you don't mind failing anymore most of us fail in life because we're afraid of what everyone around you is thinking mm. that's a hundred percent truth so we live by the narrative of other people when I first called a recruiter to be a Navy SEAL and I was 297 pounds the first recruiter looked at me and said you're not going to be able to make this, man. So what he was doing was he was projecting his energy on me. He knew he couldn't be a 
Navy SEAL. So God helped this black guy, because I was only the 36th African-American to make it through in over 70 years. How's this black fat guy gonna make it through in my ass? He wasn't even willing to try. So he's projecting it. So a lot of us who are negative people, all we do is project how we feel on other people. So what happens is there's a lot of negative people walking around the planet Earth who are afraid to try. Because everybody, a lot of people are very negative in this world. So we are afraid to fail. Why? I told you, man. Shouldn't even try it, dude. Just chill out. Relax. Why are you so crazy? Why are you so obsessed? So all that stuff drives the, the uh, quitting mind, I call it. The mind wants to quit. The mind's tired. The mind's tired. The mind's deserving. The mind thinks it's very deserving. So yes, the, the, the biggest problem in this world is other people, not yourself. It's other people in your head. They are puppet mastering you pretty much on your life. Because I realized once I was talking to myself the right way and all this shit wasn't in my mind, wow, I went from this piece of shit kid who thought he was dumb, not successful, insecure, who stuttered when I first saw somebody to a person who can now do all these things just because I now control my own mind. Mm. And I don't care. A lot of people say they don't care. When you get to the point where you really don't care, you don't have to say you're it. dangerous. <laughs> you become very, very dangerous. Mm. I'm not saying don't care like, I don't care if I do that. No, when you don't care about other people and how they view you, mm. about how you walk, how you talk, how you dress, where you want to go with your life, you know, growing up, I didn't want to tell anybody I wanted to be in the military. Because why? Some of my black friends, I was afraid of what they think. Mm. You know, why do you want to join the military, man? Why do you want to do that shit? Mm. I was afraid of what other people thought about me. So now, when I go in the military, I know you want to the military. Yeah, I ain't tell you because I was afraid of what you thought. Once again, man, you're allowing other people to shackle your mind. Mm. It's, the, it's, the, it's the worst thing in the world. Back in the day, what motivated me was overcoming myself. I saw myself as a very weak individual and I wanted to overcome myself. And once I started reaching these different hurdles, I realized that we all had this superhuman potential. Now at 43 years old, I believe in being a leader. And there's a lot of times, like there's no, read, I mean, there's, there's no need for me to get up in the morning time and go out for these long runs. I've done it all, I'm good. I'm retired from the military, did 21 years in the military. I've done it all. Now it's about setting the example for others to follow. So what keeps me going now is people want to, everyone wants to know, how do you become a leader? How are you a leader? Being a leader is sometimes the worst job in the world because you have to put yourself in some of the most uncomfortable situations of all time. For me to tell you to do something and I'm not doing it myself, that's what motivates me now. That's what keeps me going now is that I have to continue to set the example. I can't talk it, I have to live it. You know, I believe that I can't talk about what I used to be. I used to be this guy that broke pull-up records. I used to be this guy that ran 100 miles, ran 200 miles. I have to still be that guy. And then when I'm not that guy anymore, I shut up talking about it. Because it's not me anymore. So I prioritize trying to win the battle in the morning. So I always win the battle in the morning. So I get morning time, every morning I go for a run. That's the first thing I do every morning. I haven't taken a day off of running since December 2016. I have every day up in the morning. So I also stretch out. 
every day for about two or three hours. Every day. I've missed two days in about five and a half, six years. So that's just my routine. And about four days a week, I'm in the gym hitting the weights. Because, you know, you can't just be a runner. So this is every single day. The, the monotony in my life. But this is what builds discipline. You know, and not everybody, I'm not telling everybody to do this. But this is my lifestyle. This is how I build self-discipline. So, right. um, what do you miss most about the Navy SEAL community since retiring? Honestly, I don't miss anything about it. Nothing? Not one thing. I, I left it all out there. Mm-hmm. I was that guy, no matter where I was at, I was that guy if, if I was on deployment and we got off an op at 1 o'clock in the morning, I was in the gym at 1.05 in the morning. Every single day of my life in the military, no matter what I was doing, mm-hmm. I gave 100%. So at 21 years, I was good with it. I went through two heart surgeries. I went from anywhere deploying. I was a recruiter in the Navy SEALs. I was an instructor as a Navy SEAL. I did it all. But the whole time, I also lived like it was day one, week one of BUDS. Even after I graduated Navy SEAL training, a lot of people who graduate something that's hard like that, they get comfortable. Even the biggest, baddest person in the world, they get comfortable. Every day of my entire life, I lived like it was day one, week one of buds. And so I take a lot of pride in that. That's why I don't miss anything. Because basically it was extremely hard to deploy, to be in work, you know, workups where you're training to be deployed and you're getting up early, getting after it, and you're still maintain a high level of, of PT every day, push-ups, sit-ups, running every single day, along with doing the job as a SEAL. A lot of guys don't do that. You know what? Some of the most valuable things, a lot of people say teamwork and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. T- teamwork is big, but I learned that you have to be a good individual first. You have to triple down on your weaknesses because a lot of times, like you always count on your buddy next to you to help you out. Sometimes that buddy's not gonna be there. You gotta make sure that you are a jack of all trades and a master of all trades. And that's one thing, you gotta, you gotta have your buddy's back, they gotta have your back, but you gotta work on yourself every single day. And that's one thing that the military has to really, really triple down on. It's something that we're missing nowadays a lot, is that total accountability of every day. Going back to boot camp in your mind. You may grab, you know, boot camp sucks. SEAL training sucks. All these things suck and people are so happy to get out of it. But that's what makes you good. Remember how you were when you got out of boot camp? You're kind of all like robotic and locked in and, yep. and then it slowly goes away. You get comfortable. You start to sag a little bit. start to walk around. You start to lose that militant discipline. That's the one thing I learned not to do in the military. Is the military teaches you these great codes, ethics, morals, values. Mm-hmm. You gotta continue to work on those. Like everything, it's a muscle. You stop going to the gym, you stop running, you get weak. The military teaches you these great values of strength and honor and code and all these other things. But what we do is we don't keep up the discipline of all that stuff and we lose it. So the one thing I learned is to not lose that thing that boot camp 
SEAL training, whatever you go through, whatever your A school is, whatever it is, keep that discipline up. That's the biggest thing. A lot of us work on ourselves at a surface level. I would tell them to dive deep because we all have demons. We all come from something. So some people know my story. I'm very open about how I came up, how I grew up. And I really detail it really big in my book. It's called Can't Hurt Me. I really detail it big in there about how I came up and also how I developed my mindset. But a lot of us work on surface. You have to work on what really, what really drives you. What, what are some of your problems in life? Because when you go to the military, the military will definitely expose some of those issues. And they will make you quit. And they will make you start to question why I'm even here. Listen to anybody's fucking dialogue but your own. They're tired. Yeah. They're not you. Yeah. So it's just all about, it's just, your mind has a tactical advantage over you at all times. It knows your weaknesses. It knows your strengths. And it will guide you into your nice comfort zone. Yeah. We have to reprogram our mind to get a, like a different vantage point so then you know how to mm -hmm. be in charge of yourself yep. versus your mind being in charge of you. So I worked with a few pitchers. Mm -hmm. I won't name their names, big name pitchers. Mm -hmm. And I studied them for a long time. Man, I want to be better, man. I want to be better. I want to be better. So I, I got film on them. I studied them. I studied them. I'm like, okay, what is wrong? That's it. Yeah. I saw it. Whenever something bad would happen, on the mound. That's the first thing they would do. Totally. The head drops, yep. shoulders roll yep. forward, they, they look down. That sends a direct message yep. to your brain that I failed. Yep. I am a failure. Mm -hmm. That starts the downward spiral to being a failure. Yep. On that mound, you can't ever recover. Yeah. It's that, so I started teaching this. It's that person who, you throw a bad pitch, you get the ball back, your chin is not high because it shows that you're way too proud. Mm -hmm. Your chin stays here. Mm -hmm. Your shoulders stay nice and level. Your feet firmly on the ground. Your hands planted like I'm ready to beat somebody's ass and I'm ready for battle. It tells your mind, wow, maybe we didn't fuck up that bad. We're still in the fight. Mm -hmm. So that's the one thing I always do is like, even if I fuck up, yeah. Keep your body position like you're still a warrior. 100%. Like you're still fighting. If you get a hundred bad calls in yep. a row. Yep. Hello, I'm David Goggins. How are you doing today? Yep. Okay, wrong one. Don't start getting poopy pants and getting upset with yourself. No, it's a mentality. And your body language has a direct thing to your brain. Yes, it does. And how it functions. So my self-talk. It's like no one else's self-talk. And by the way, this was a question that probably 50 people asked. What okay. does he say to himself? So this is what I say to myself. It changes all the time. Mm -hmm. But let's say for shits and giggles, I'm training for a 100-mile race. Yeah. Let's say a tour. Just for shits and giggles, I'm training for a 100-mile race. Right. Okay, good. So let's say I'm training for a 100-mile race, and I get to mile 50, Yeah. and I feel like shit. Mm -hmm. And like everybody else, my mind gets soft. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I'm human. Yeah. I'm not some damn, you know, hybrid creature that was formed from the heavens above. No, not human. I suffer. I don't like it. I'm uncomfortable. I don't like it. Yeah. So my mind starts to get weak and we start to forget about how badass we are. I call that the cookie jar, but it's not about the cookie jar right now. Yeah. This is about self-talk. Yeah. But, but the cookie jar kind of goes to self-talk too. It. Yeah. It's a piece of it. So basically what I do here is you have to make sure that your mind doesn't become spastic. Mm -hmm. When it's suffering, when it's in pain, 
All it wants to do is find the easy way out, which is usually quit. Mm -hmm. If you quit, the pain goes away immediately. Yeah. You got to give yourself enough energy and fuel in your mind to stay just a little bit longer so you can talk yourself into staying for the whole thing. Yeah. And this is how it works. Most of us never start anything cold. If you're going to go to college, you got to study your ass off. If you want to run a 100-mile race, a marathon, if you want to go be Mr. Olympia, if you want to go be a scientist, a doctor. Be one of the best salespeople on the planet. You got to work. You got to work. But this and is you what you do. Build, you you got to build, build up to that. But what happens is, in that moment when we need self-talk, when we're failing and we're in our worst spot possible, yep. we forget the back end. Yeah. Oh, my fault. The front end. The, all the build-up to where we're at today. We forget how much work we put in. So for me, I'm at mile 50. Say that one more time. Say that one more so, so I'm in the middle of it. Right. I'm making my calls. I hate it. You're at mile 50. That's right. You hate it. Your mind's getting you know, wiggly on you. I just want to get out of here. Yeah. We forget that we put years. Yeah. Years, maybe not into making these dials, but to getting where you're at today. To become this person. To become this person. To be in a position to make this money or whatever the fuck you want to make, whatever you want to do in your life. Yeah. We forget that. We forget that journey on what it took for us to get in this moment to make the right decision. Yeah. So that's my self-talk is this. Okay, I wanna get the f out of here, man. I'm done. Then I remember this. You ran 2,000 miles training to be in this moment right now. Mm-hmm. We forget that. Yep. We forget the three o'clock in the morning runs or, or getting up early for work or whatever you're doing. We forget all that. In that moment of suffering, I remind myself, yeah. I only have 50 more miles. I put in six months of training. You did 67,000 pull-ups. 67,000 pull-ups, that's right. right? Exactly. Like, this is no big deal. We forget all yeah. of that. Yeah. So what I do, my self-talk is basically going back down memory lane yeah. of all those fucked up days. I ran the fucking rain or I had to study real late at night and I didn't want to do it, but I did it to get here. Yeah. That's the hook. That is the hook. That's the hook. I wanted to get here. Yeah. Now you're here and now you want to fucking quit. Yeah. So you got to be mindful. But this, but this thing about it, if you haven't put in any hard work to reflect on, you're fucked. Yeah. So there is no self. Because you got nothing to pull back it's on. It's just a lie. Nothing to say, hey, you've done this before. That's right. Or you've done something like this That's before. That's right. All this, all this, like, people want to be all positive. All this positive talk, it doesn't work if it's a lie. Like, if you didn't study for your big exam, mm-hmm. and you go into it saying, I'm going to pass it, yep. no, you're not. Yeah. You're going to fail it. Yeah. That self-talk is not going to work. Self-talk without real work is just a lie. Yeah. So my self-talk is me reminiscing back on the struggle to get to this moment. Yeah. And that tells me we're not quitting today. Yeah. Not today. First of all, it takes total quietness. Mm-hmm. We live in a world that's so busy and so active and moving so fast. Right now, I am sitting with Tom Ferry. Yeah. My mind is sitting with Tom Ferry. Yeah. It's not talking to Tom Ferry while thinking about, my God, I gotta order some more books, I'm sold out of here, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Yeah, yeah. That's the first thing about visualization. Yeah. You must make sure to silence out all the fucking bullshit of life, yeah. which is very hard to do. It is very hard. Because the, your, your visual picture must be clear as shit. It has to be clear. It can't be like kind of in and out like a, like a fuzzy TV. You gotta see it. It has to become real. You gotta take a snapshot of it a million times, put it in the bank. 
that snapshot of me was getting that 4,021 pull-up yeah. knocked out because the record was 4,020. Yeah. I visualized that over and over and over again. I visualized what I was going to say because a guy's name was Stephen Highland. I was thinking like what you're going to say to him. I was going to say to him yep. on video when I yep. finally got his ass. Yep. So I visualized yep. success. Uh-huh. But then I went through, that's the, that's the fun part. Yeah. I have to do 4,020 pull-ups to get to that 4,021 pull-up. I know now, because it took me three chances to get it. All those failures, they were great for me to examine where I was up at along the way. So I take all that and I I put in the bank as far as visualization. Okay, when I get to 2,500 pull-ups, my hands start to rip. Okay, I get ready for that. So I started visualizing, how am I gonna handle the pain? Mm -hmm. Okay, then you start visualizing, okay, my, my nutrition was off. You start visualizing all these things because yeah. you have to mimic it a million times, but I can't mimic 4,020 pull-ups no. by doing it. But you can see but all the milestones where you the, failed that's right. and see yourself going beyond it. That's right. Yeah. So that, that was my big thing about, I, I had to walk in, get the chalk, see, I had to see everything over and over and over again. And when I realized I had to keep that visual, that picture in my head mm-hmm. for 17 hours. It took me 17 hours to break that record. Yeah. So for 17 hours, while I used to be loud everywhere I went, I put these headphones in. Yep. And I never listened to music, but I listened to one song going the distance, you know, for 17 hours. It's two minutes and 13 seconds. Yeah. For 17 hours, I had that in. That's a lot of Rocky. A lot of Rocky. And I just went here. Yeah. For, and so I was able to visualize every rep yeah so i visualized my hand placement making sure that felt right before i got going mm-hmm. i didn't ignore all the little pains my hands got sweaty okay that means i was aware of everything that means my okay my hands about to rip it's getting sweaty wipe it off be aware everything i was totally in the moment because of how i visualized everything most people who are failing are trying their ass off most people who are failing are being criticized by people who haven't attempted what you're even trying to fail at. So what I'm failing at, so after I, pi- I did 2,500 pull-ups my first time yep. going for the record. Yep. You know what I mean? People were criticizing me. People who, sitting there eating chips who, who on the can't couch. can do a pull-up. Exactly. Look at your audience uh-huh. who's criticizing you, uh-huh. first of all. Yep. They're not even in your fucking world. Yes. You Don't even talk to me. Yep. Block them out. That's the first thing. Yep. The second thing is through failure, you get all the fuck answers you get all the lessons all of them yes they're all there yes so i was able to go back through and say okay this happened this happened this was wrong this was wrong this is wrong so i don't even look at failure like i don't even call it failure yeah i i, I don't because i don't look at like oh my god i failed no i look at okay like trying to invent the fucking light bulb i'm afraid to know what, what what's failure i'm trying to invent a fucking light bulb yeah I'm trying to break 4,020 pull-ups. Mm-hmm. That's failure? Yeah. Anything you do along that way is amazing. Yeah. That's how you gotta look at failure. Yeah. So for me, I have a scrap piece of paper and I'm going back through this stuff. I'm okay, check, I didn't make the goal. Yeah. Okay, boom, boom, boom. The next time I went, I did, I did 3,200 pull-ups. Okay, I'm still 800 shy of the record. I remember, I remember this in the book when you did it. 800 shy of the record now. So I went from 25 mm-hmm. to 3,200. Yep. And I got to get to 4,020. Yeah. 21. A, yeah, 21. That's a long way away. Uh-huh. But and your I body's did, breaking down. Breaking and down and, yep. left and right. Yep. 
But I got that whiteboard out again, yeah. and I started writing down, okay, what did I do wrong this time? Mm-hmm. What did I do wrong this time? You cannot look at it as failure. Even though you didn't get what you wanted, all you're doing is examining ways to become successful at this particular thing. You're trying to master something. It's not failure. Yeah. You're trying to become the master of yeah. a particular thing. Yeah. It's not failing. My goals were finding the baddest men on the planet, working with the baddest guys on the planet. And the heart surgeries hurt me a little bit. Um, but what I realized is I've got a lot of growth from examining people. You know, my, my insecurities, their insecurities, my military career was absolutely stellar. You know, not many people have pulled off Honor Man everywhere I went mm-hmm. and done the things I've done. I didn't deploy as much as I wanted to. Yeah, I went to Iraq, stuff like that, but I wanted to deploy a lot more with, with the heart surgeries, keeping me out of training for four years. That hurt me a lot. But all in all, there's not many people who've done some of the things I've done. Being the only, and I actually talked about with Adam, um, I came up with, with the only. There's a lot of onlys out there. I was the only black in a lot of situations. And the only in about a color. There's a lot of, you know, there's gays, there's lesbians, there's people who are white people who just feel like they're not wanted in society. That's the only. The only is feeling like you're not accepted in any society that you're in. Doesn't matter what color, creed, race, gender, doesn't matter. It's just that you are in this situation where you feel like you're being judged, you might be being judged, you feel awkward. It's an awkward feeling when you walk in a room and you're like, oh my God, like I'm the only. And that comes with a lot of people. And that's where the only really came from because I didn't want to make it like a black situation. I want it to be, I want this, this is about people. You are your own hero. You are the hero of this book. So I want it to be, what's a word that can make people feel like this resonates with me? That's only. You know, it's not about, it was about black or about white or about, about being Jewish or, or Christian or whatever. So that's where it comes from, man. It's about ownership of a lot of people feel like no one understands what I'm going through right now. And that's the only. Oh, yes, the only is a very powerful thing for me. And there's a lot of times in my life that I chose the only um, on purpose. Mm-hmm. On purpose, just to see how I would come out the other end of it. Well, like I've said a million times before, the most important conversation is the one you have with yourself. You wake up with it, you walk around with it, you go to bed with it. Eventually, you act on it. Sometimes you act on it good, sometimes bad. You got to change the internal dialogue. That person in your head that's talking that shit to you, until you change the internal dialogue in your head, until you callous over the victim's mentality that the world is out to get you because of you are the only, you got to change that shit, man. A lot of folks don't under, I get that mentality. I once had that mentality that no one understands what I'm going through. And if you keep that mentality, you're going to stay in the same exact spot that you're in, that no one understands me. There's a whole, there's millions of people. Why do you think a book that I self-published, you know, is doing so well with a story that's so fucked up? People are like, I never get what I went to a publishing house, like, who's going to resonate with this story? No one's going to buy this book. I'm like, are you not in the world? Are you not in society? You're never alone. Everybody's going through shit. So when people get this mentality of like, you don't understand me, you can throw a rock to someone that can understand you if they're willing to break themselves down and stop hiding. 
a lot of people understand you, mm -hmm. but you got to stop hiding. And that's why I tell people, a lot of people are going through shit. They just hide better than you did. That's all they did. They're just hiding better. What is it all about? I'm going to keep on grinding. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying though is you have to respect what you've done. Take a second, not live in it, not sit around and say, I'm good. Sit back and say, let me look at the vantage point now that I'm at. When, when there, that's why you reset the vantage point. Get the tactical advantage. If you get the tactical advantage too quick and start fighting, you got to take a second to take observation of where I'm, where I'm at. What have I done? Am I in the right spot? I'm obviously in the right spot right now. Now we can go back to fighting. It's called you find peace. I never found peace until I got real sick. And you find peace by clarity. And there's no clarity when there's noise. When there's always a schedule in front of you to keep grinding at it. So my schedule is always there. I'm still alive. And while I'm still alive, I'm going to grind until I'm dead. But in that grinding schedule, you have to have a point in there where it's okay at 12 o'clock, reset the tactical advantage and look and see where you're at. At this new vantage point, stop for a second and survey the field. Because what I was doing was I had this big long schedule. And in this schedule, there was no take a second, see what the f accomplished. Because if I did all that shit in the military, after I got honor man at Ranger School and I was the top leader amongst 300 people, when I got back to that second platoon, if I had taken the vantage point and said, okay, my God, man, you've really grown as a leader. I would have attacked the situation that second platoon much differently when I was like, oh, you guys, you guys want to work out this far? You ain't, you ain't hard like this? I would have learned, I would have taken a step back and said, okay, hang on a second, man. You learned a lot. That's the tactical advantage. You got to take the advantage point and take a second to breathe and say, you learned a lot. But when you learn a lot, if you just go back into the fight, you never apply what you learn. You just get that certificate of graduation and go. Get it, remember what you learned, and use it. And that's about taking that one second out, get on top of that mountaintop, looking down and say, okay, how would I have handled this years ago? Wow, I would have really up. This time, that's not f***ing. So I'm always in constant pursuit of my 100%. Whatever that is, if I can't run anymore, I want to see what else I can do. So it, I was, I was real proud of how I handled that. When, when my whole life got stripped from me, and I was at like 20 years in the military, and I, my, my life was getting stripped, man. And I couldn't run, I couldn't work, I couldn't do shit anymore. And I didn't lose my shit. All that training I'd gone through, mental training I'd gone through, I was able to utilize it to find a lot of peace in myself, a lot of joy and a lot of uh, self-fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, it was actually uh, not that bad of a time. When, when you're born in a happy home and, and you're born around happy shit, it kind of comes out. I never, I don't laugh. My dad beat the laughter out of me. When, when you can't read and write and you're trying to hide out in classes and please don't call on me and shit and you're all scared and shit everywhere you go, you're nervous and you're, and you're panicked and you're stuttering and you know, your whole life is that shit. There's not joy in that shit. That becomes who you are no matter how much you change. You're scarred. So people are like, my God, man, you never smile, you never do this. It's my life. It's my life. So you gotta teach yourself how to read and write and also can smile and say, it's okay. 
a lot of things aren't like, you know, man, why don't you do this? Like, I don't judge people. That's why I don't judge the people. Man, you don't smile, look so hard like this. Read my book and don't forget where I came from. It's who you are. You have to undo that shit. And no one came down and trained me on how to be happy, how to find peace, how to do this and that. That's why I'm so glad I found it through suffering. The greater the suffer, the greater the peace I found. But you have to reflect on where you came from, from the dungeon of hell that I came from, I had to reflect on that shit to find final peace and be able to say, wow, fucker, if you die in this bed at 40 years old, I'm the happiest motherfucker in the world because I did it. I pissed people off along the way. Some people don't like me, Merry Christmas, whatever. But you can finally look in the mirror and you can cuss on damn rich roll shit and don't care what they say about you and be happy with it. I used to hate people not liking me. One of the hardest things in the world for me at a young age was, my God, I just want to fit in. I want to fit in. I, I want you to like me. So that's a horrible place to be in life because you lose yourself. When you want to fit in with people so badly, no people, no better than you. You do whatever you can to fit in. And that's a bad place to be. You lose yourself in trying to create a character that other people will accept. And the that's where I found a lot of joy, man. This is God. This is me. Mm -hmm. I speak in the third person. I'm, I got some shit going on. I'm still working on myself. Take it or leave it. You don't like me? Take a number and get in line, uh -huh. man. Even though people may not believe it, because I cuss, which is hilarious. I believe in God big time. I've had this voice in my head since I was a young kid. So what trained me was that voice. And I'm not going to go God on you right now. I don't care if people believe in God or not. That's not my place. I'm not here to judge you. You have your own life and your own things to deal with. This voice in my head guided me to the spot where I'm at today. And if you don't believe that you're here for a reason, your life will seriously hurt. And I start looking at my life and all the shit I went through as God put me, some God, whatever you believe in, put me here to go through this. And now I see all the hundreds of thousands of lives I'm changing by the hell I went through. There's a lot of power in that. So my purpose, as I started going through this journey, instead of looking at like, woe is me, God, man, why, why, man, why, why? I started looking at this, it's the perfect training ground. You knew exactly what you were doing. You knew exactly what you were doing, obviously. You put me in every situation possible to tell a story that needed to be told. At the other end of suffering is a life that no one, and I'm not talking about go out there and kill yourself. Don't take these words and flip them and yeah. say, oh my God, no. <clears throat> it just be uncomfortable. I call it Don't suffering. Don't physically injure yourself. Yes, not saying that. And then be out for six months. That's right. That's no good. That's no good. I'm not saying, I'm not saying do what I did. Yeah. I was in a spot that life forced me I had a choice. I had a choice to be this guy or the guy that's in front of you. I had choices. I chose this path. And you're still choosing it. And I'm still choosing it. You can it. go back to that guy no, at any moment. Because I found out. I found out something with those stress fractures. I found out something through facing all these things. I found out a whole nother world, which is why I walk around with all my stuff in a black backpack. Wow. I found out a whole nother way. A whole nother way of no matter how far you get in life, you have to be able to go back to scratch in your mind at a moment's notice. You can never get so far beyond scratch. Mm. What that means is 
when you accomplish something in life, if you want to go back to scratch and go back to that $7 a month place where I once lived and visit that place for a long period of time, if you were here, when you went back to scratch, you would now be here. Mm. Scratch is what makes you better. Scratch, friction, obstacles create growth. There's no friction when you're this far up in the game anymore. You think there right. is. When the real, achieved, that's yeah. right. When you achieve so much, the friction is, is, is minor. Because why? I'm sore. I'm going to get a massage today. Mm -hmm. I'm hungry. I'm going to eat today. Mm -hmm. The refrigerator is always full. So your comforts are now, so your discomfort is now very minuscule to your discomfort back here in the $7 a month place. So you have to go back to the total discomfort to then raise your level of where you're at now. Mm. I'm not saying stay there and stay there. Visit. Visit it. And then you raise your level. Every day of my damn life, that feeling that I had to go back and think about, I found a way this habit. How did you? It's constantly there. Mm -hmm. I have a self-talk. I have a self-talk. It's called my cookie jar. Mm -hmm. It's a constant mm -hmm. reminder of David God. Every day of my life, I believe in quiet. There's no growth outside of quiet. The, the world's too noisy. Your mind needs quiet for you to find who you are. People ask, what's my purpose? Why am I here? You're not going to find it nowadays unless you lock yourself in a quiet room in your mind and find it. It's too noisy. For me, I could be in a busy street in New York City, horns honking, and I'm walking around with like nothing. It's me and myself yeah. in a quiet spot. And when you are constantly reflecting on who you are, where you've been, the journey you've gone through, the journey you can continue going through, the feeling's always there. You don't allow the world to pull you so fast that you forget. <clears throat> you don't allow yourself to pull you so fast that you forget. It's not about staying in that moment. It's about you want to get to the point where that feeling follows you like breathing. Mm. It becomes a part of your life, <clears throat> part of your DNA. But it's made. Like these calluses on my hands right mm -hmm. now, they're made. Yeah. They are now on my brain. This is now a part of me. It's a daily process, a part of me. And how I go back to that $7 a month place all the time is now I go out and I dig fire line. I'm a wildland firefighter. I don't need to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm a 43-year-old man. I, I work with 27-year-old <laughs> kids. Yeah. And I'm a rookie. Every day I'm a rookie, it feels like. And Why do you do it? That's why I do it, man. There's a story I'm going to tell you about why I do it. So I make, I have a good living now for me, where I'm at in my life. Mm -hmm. I was out on a fire in Colorado and we were digging fire line on this, like 50%, like it was like on the side of a daggone mountain. Yeah. And we're trying to keep the fire from moving and we're digging this fire line 14 inches, or my fault, 18 inches wide, three miles long, 12 of us digging. And it is the hardest work. You make $12 an hour. Wow. Okay? Nothing. You set up your shop. Like, when you're done digging, you just pretty much lay down, you go to sleep, and you get up, you dig some more. Really? This happens for two weeks long. What are you digging? It's like a hole. You're so digging a line. You, so or... you're trying to get down to, to a mineral source. So, so you're trying to get down to the, to the earth. So, so that if that fire is moving, it can't burn dirt. Really? So you're moving fuels. Got it. You're, you know, so, so not only are you digging, you're cutting down trees. It's hard work. 
But the moral of the story is I'm 43. Don't need to do it at all. This is why I do You're it. You're making money. Yeah. I'm making money. I'm the, I, I, I have a good life. I don't need <clears> to do it. And everybody asks me why I do it. This is why. This 21-year-old kid was out there. And he wanted a pair of running shoes. So all he wanted was a pair of running shoes. 60, 70, 100 bucks, whatever, you know, easy for yeah, us, yeah. 100 shoes. But he looked up at the mountain that we had been on for days, digging this fire line. And he said, that would take me five or six hours of work to buy those shoes. He said, I'm not going to buy them. It's the perspective of life. Hmm. That perspective of life right there, of, that is the value that we lose. When things start to come so easy in life, it's the perspective that 21-year-old had. He looked up at that mountain and thought, he looked at his hands, he looked at the, at the amount of hours of pulling that Pulaski, that, that tool, and raking that ground, and, and then cutting those trees, and moving them, and that hours of work. He looked at his feet and said, these old shoes would do. Mm. It's that perspective in life that we lose. And that's, that story to most people may not mean anything. It's that story I always want to have in my life you cannot lose perspective of where you've come in life you have to turn the negative into a positive because mm. at the end of it all if you can sit back and wait if you can wait six seven eight nine ten twelve years when you get to that point when you finish that's the feeling for 12 years that's it it says wait 12 years to get there that's what keeps you going is you gotta feel i want i'm doing it for one second mm. <laughs> Years of pain. For one second, being a perfectionist is the worst thing that can happen to a person. You never live. Like when I lost that 106 pounds in like two and a half months, whatever it took me, that was the biggest trophy of my entire life. I didn't care if I graduated Navy SEAL training. I didn't care. What I just accomplished in that it's time massive. frame, it's massive. Yeah. I don't know. There was no trainer. I, 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 there was no like... And what's funny about this, we talk about mental toughness nowadays. It's like the biggest crave. When I grew up, it was just suck it up. <laughs> yeah. It was just make it happen. Yeah. You had to figure out. It's, it was called figure it out, man. And all these, all these nuggets that I gained along the way, that's what it was about. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about the trident. It wasn't about all those daggone medals. It wasn't about any of that. And that's why I hate even talking about being a SEAL, you know? I miss the stories. People go, why are you talking about it didn't define me? Mm -hmm. The journey getting there was harder than going through it. Yeah. You know? So that's the whole thing about life, man. It's, it's, it's that journey that, that makes you who you are. Yeah. The things I do in life, most of life, you're alone. You may have a whole support crew around you, but up here, you're alone. Most of the stuff I do, I'm training for that one, those moments. Those moments when I was at mile 70 and I had 30 more miles to go and I had, I crapped up my back and pee and blood down my leg. I had 30 miles to go. There's only so much someone cheering can do for you. Right. When you start to dive back in the cellar of your mind and you're pulling out all these, all these tactics, all these mental tactics to get through this 30 miles when you're in the worst shape of your life and no one's coming to save you and you get through that. I, I want to go back there. Like when I got done with that race, I laid in the tub and my ex-wife helped me get up the stairs. And I'm laying in this tub and Coca-Cola's coming out of me. Mm. Just looks like dirt. 
and she would, and, you know, she's a nurse, and she's like, she's freaking out, and she puts the shower on me, and I'm looking at her, and all I want to do is call the race director up of Badwater saying, I qualify for the race. <laughs> and she's thinking, we got to go to the hospital. So, you know, she's, she's calling my mom, and my mom has a doctor friend of hers who's over, and they're freaking out. And I said, everybody, just shut up. Wow. Shut up. I'm in the worst pain in my entire life, and no one would ever understand mm. this. No one. When you've gone that deep inside yourself, and all those feelings of pain that I had, I was in the worst pain of my life. Ever. And some people think, man, you're just crazy. <laughs> no, when you've, when you've done that, and you've figured out so much on your own, and all that pain and discomfort I had in that tub laying there, passing out everything, was confirmation of what I just figured out. I just figured out the code. I figured out a code, a code that many people aren't looking for. And I didn't want it to be known. I, I didn't want that feeling. This was confirmation. This was like a scientist's notes. Mm -hmm. The notes were here. The notes were all this feeling. It was a confirmation. And no one at that time could understand what I just done. I cracked the code to human potential mm. in myself. And I was still like, oh my God, like, this is unbelievable what I just did. So it's that quiet place. Wow. It's that place by yourself. It's those hours and years and decades by yourself in the grip of life. When life has you by the throat and choking you out and you're sitting there calm because you're trying to figure it out. You're not panicking. You're not quitting. You're not throwing in the towel. You're saying there's a way around this. And when you figure it out, when life has you gripped in advice and you can figure that out, that's when you overcome. Mm. That's when you overcome. And that's why that one moment for me in that tub, I didn't want anyone to take away from me.